This is a wee bit of everything. The podcast that explores all things sport and teaching. Hello there and welcome to the A Wee Bit of Everything podcast with your hosts Lewis and Clark. Thanks for coming back to tune in to this week's episode. We really are amazed by all the support we have received from everyone so far. Our partner of the podcast is Premiership Experience who have played a big role in helping us develop. Premiership Experience offer fantastic sports tours within the UK and abroad so be sure to check them out on Twitter at Prem Experience. This is a professional learning platform where we get ideas and insights from like-minded professionals. Our vision is to inspire, to teach and to entertain. So let's get started with this week's episode of A Wee Bit of Everything. This week, to kick us off with the first episode of 2022, we are joined by the former athletic skipper, Ross Meakin. Clark, do you want to tell the listeners what they have in store tonight? Yeah, we're going to talk a wee bit about his career to date. Um, also touch on the best coaches he's worked under and why, and why he thinks they're the, the best coaches. Um, we'll also talk a wee bit about his, his biggest challenge on his journey to becoming a footballer um, and also how he managed to overcome it. And then finally, we'll talk about how uh, important it is to have a, a captain within a football team and Ross obviously is the captain for Forfa. As Lewis touched on there, and we'll talk a wee bit about how he carries out that role within his current club. So, without further ado, we will get Ross onto the A Wee Bit of Everything podcast to kick off 2022. Let's go. Right, Ross, welcome to the A Wee Bit of Everything podcast. How's your, how's your day been? Aye, it's been good, mate. Um, busy day, busy day at work. Um, so, home, made dinner uh, for the missus and just literally sat down, mate. So, no, um, it's good to get a bit of downtime, chill out and just have a good chat. Good man. Uh, thanks for coming on. Um, you've done more than me tonight. I didn't make the dinner, so well done. Good man. You ever <laughs> make the dinner, mate? Let's be serious. Aye, I've tried my best. Once a week. Aye, every night. I do to make to be sure. Do you? Aye, every night, mate. She's well looked after. <laughs> Good man. Right, well, obviously um, you're on tonight to talk about your kind of football career. Um, before we get kind of into the kind of nitty gritty of it, would you be able to give uh, us and the listeners some background information, Ross, on your career to, to date? Um, I will, I'll start off when, when I was a young, a young boy. I probably started playing football when I was five or six, just for a local team, um, Wills Boys Club. Um, and they were based in Camayo at the time, used to play at St Jokum's. Um, and when I was seven, I got a trial of the hearts. Um, and back then, it, it was based, so there was a Glasgow base, there was a Stirling base, Edinburgh base, up north base. Um, and used to train on a Tuesday. And then every Friday night we would go and they would have a wee tournament, but it would change it up when they held it. So right. basically, it was a, for this stage, it was maybe, I don't know, say, rough guess, about 30, 40 boys. But you'd play with your own region sort of thing. You'd play against each other. And then they cut it down to, um, obviously, they're selected, probably about a squad of 20, um, getting into the age group. It was pro-youth back then, um, mm. which I think started at maybe under nines or something like that. Um, right. So I, I was at Hearts from, I was... I was probably at Hartsfield when I was seven, eight, um, until I was 14, um, and met, listen, see, pro youth know that, it gets, people have different opinions on it, um, but I thought it benefited me and benefited a lot of the boys I played with, 
Um, don't get me wrong, it's cutthroat, it's doggy dog world, and some of the things you hear happening, boys getting told at 10 or 11 years old are not good enough. I, 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 it's really hard, and it's hard for coaches as well. I see, as I get older, um, my nephew's involved in sort of youth, youth stuff and that as well. And like, if somebody, if somebody told, if somebody went and told him he wasn't good enough to play, you, you, you'd be heartbroken for them. So it's not just you; it's not just the kid that involves and and hurts. It gets to the full family, parents as well. Um, parents are distraught when about you know your boys get told he's not good enough for a club. Um, yeah, well, I, I think when you look at the the stats as well, like the amount of players that break through in these types of clubs like Hearts, and it's probably has quite low numbers, isn't it? The it is. They break it, through. It is. I mean, you could even take the number of who breaks through to actually play professional. It's it's yeah. very very slim. Um, yeah. But a lot of it is taking the taking the bad hits and mm-hmm. wanting to prove people wrong, which was which we'll get on to. But it was a drive for me. Um, so I was there for I was eighteen. I was fourteen. Um, like at least when I was fourteen, um, the typical stereotypical Scottish thing that I was I was too small and stuff like that um, for that age group. But for there, um, my head was all over the place, and I was at, I just wanted to go and play with my pals. Um, and my dad still took the boys' club at the time, most boys' club. Um, so I used to go and watch him on a Sunday, and I was always saying to him, "I just want to come play here. Want to go and play with my pals." Um, but after that, I got a phone call for Hamilton Ackies and a phone call for Mull. Um, so I went and trialed both of them. And then it was, it was me and two other boys that got released for Hearts, but we were close. So the three years went and trialed with both clubs. And then we both got off a deal at both clubs. And basically, yeah, at that age, you follow your pal. So one of them signed with Mull, so the other two, me signed with Mull. Right. Um, so I was there from 14, 15 until I was... 14 to 16, I'd say. Right. Um, I was there. And then after that, at that age, it went to under 19. So it was for 17s. So you went under 15s to under 17. You played two years at 17s. And then it went to under 19s. But when you went under 19s, it sort of went full times at the clubs. Right, okay. So I played 15s and then two years at 17s at Mullow. So I was three years there. Um, and again, it was, it was brilliant development. It was, it was different. Development for what we ever had. Um, this was the first time I actually done a proper pre-season, and up until this day, it's probably the hardest pre-season we've had. Um, our coaches, this guy called Graham Morgan, listen, he was a great guy. And he was a good coach, and he he made me tougher inside and <clears throat> got stuff out of me that I never knew I had. Um, we were 14 years old, doggies around Strathclyde Park, hadn't they get it under 25 minutes, whatever it was, and running in the beach in Strathclyde Park and it's something that I'd never ever done experienced and it got on our side of me and showed me on our side that I didn't really know I had as well mm-hmm. um, at that young age as well it takes a lot for you um, mm-hmm. and somebody's don't get me wrong somebody's crumbled and never came back mm-hmm. um, so I was there for three years and then uh, I got offered a deal a full time deal at St Mon. so I was at St Mon for two years uh, where I was full time and then after that, I moved to Partick Thistle, and I was there for 18 months. And then after that, I signed for Stenhouse Muir. Um, I was there for four seasons, um, and the last final season we get promoted, and I thought to myself it was time for a change. And um, yeah, you start to think, as you get older, it's, all, it's always a hobby and always will be a hobby, but as you get older, you start to think about money things and whatever like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so it was about a financial gain for me moving to fourth as well. So I've been there for this my fourth season there, and um, it's it's going great, and I'm loving it. And you're the captain now. I'm a captain now. Uh, I've been appointed captain this season. Right. Um, it was listen. It's a great honour. It's a great privilege. And uh, see, uh, I did. I, it was hard because obviously I had to speak to the former captain, who was Michael Travis, who was brilliant with me, and I had to. Well, obviously the manager spoke to him first, but I, not to say sorry that I've got it, but just uh, I felt as though I was stepping on his toes a wee bit. But mm-hmm. you understand, he was come back to a bad injury and stuff like that, and. Okay, after now was a player, so he's been in and around the changing room, and uh, he spoke to me over the summer a lot and stuff like that. So, but for for people who we've yet in our changing room, and I would say probably I'm somebody the boys look up to. But listen, I've got I've got a guy who's had a testimony at St Johnston, one of the Scottish Cup at St Johnston, Stephen Anderson, who's in our changing room, and I'm his captain. And I'm trying to tell him things to do and whatever. Mm. Jamie Ness, who. Scored an old firm game, he's had a great career, and I'm somebody the guys are sort of looking up to now, do you know what I mean? And maybe mm-hmm. set examples and stuff like that. So, listen, see, first it was a big pressure, um, mm-hmm. but I felt so I've, I feel so I've grown into the role well, and um, it's, it's going really well, and I think that's proven uh, where we are in the league and how we're doing. Um, and it's, it's a privilege to walk out Saturday, leads the boys out, and um, listen, it's not just about that. I, I've, I've always felt as though I've got this sort of leadership in me, um, whether I had Alan Band or not. But now, just to have that wee bit of extra trust for the for the guy, for the manager, and it's, it's it's great. Have you captained any teams before going to Forfa? Um, I've captained clubs a couple of times, but I've not been the club captain. The main captain. I the club mm-hmm. captain. Um, maybe if the cap- captain's been out, when I've stepped in. But um, as I know, it comes with age as well. Don't get me yeah. wrong. Um, but I, it's, it's, it was an honour to, to get asked off a manager in the summer and it's something I feel as I've took my slide and adapted to well and um, I feel as unfair with all the boys as well, which, which maybe some of them might not agree with, but uh, yeah. I feel as unfair with everyone as well. Mm-hmm. So, so, Ross, see, see for any kind of young players listening in, um, what was it like making the transition from part-time at Murrow into... Full time was it at St Man? Like, what was it like making that jump? Like, to try to get used to that side of it? Uh, it? Listen, see, when, when you're 16 years of age, I mean, I had less you really to go and do it, and uh, you've, you've got all the energy in the world, so you're not really caring. And uh, it's been mad, it was my dream for I was a wee guy to be a professional footballer, and mm. I finally classed myself as a professional footballer. I was getting paid to do something every single day that I loved and it was a hobby for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and the biggest thing for me is that, man, um, obviously, you used to call it the YT, so you're doing your YT, basically an apprenticeship, mm-hmm. um, and you're in a group of boys every day, 16 years of age, it's, it's carnage, it's absolutely madness, and it's builds a strong bond, and there's a lot of boys in that team, that I was in that team with, who are still very close friends, um, now, because you've all such a strong relationship, strong bond with people. Everybody's went on to different careers, um, went different paths. Um, again, it would come down to maybe getting released or maybe getting that wee chance or fucking mm. uh, John. Um, John, John McGinn. Um, it's, it's, it's absolutely crazy. And it's just small things. Um, I'm sure John wouldn't mind me saying this, but. At one point, it's at one when we, as I say, we went to jump for 17s to 19s, um, and we used to play on a Friday. Uh, the league was on a Friday, and 
John McGinn couldn't get a game in the 19s. He was, wasn't even coming on as a sub. And he won't mind me saying this, by the way, because we've spoken about it. Plenty. Shows you what's possible, though. Aye, exactly. And he actually went in, asked to get released or go out and go a junior club. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was actually the assistant manager at the time, Tommy Craig, that, that sort of stopped it. Um, and for then, Luke, Luke's what happened to him. Do you know what I mean? He's stuck in. And nobody deserves it more, in my point of view, um, just the way he's work ethic. And not just that, just the way as a person. Um, you mm-hmm. want to be a nicer guy. Um, money's, a lot of these people, money get to their head, and it's certainly not one thing. Um, he's the most down-to-earth person that you'll meet and what he's had and what he's going to achieve. What a player he's turned into, but... Ah, incredible. Did you, you watch the game Monday night? What is it, mate? That's yeah. that's the so what, about that, that, what about that decision? But that decision was a bit mental from his... The um, for the free kick, I they could, I don't know what was the actual over what was the actual decision from that VAR. I think what it was for the boy Ramsey was standing offside position. Um, it started in because he. I don't uh, think it, but it didn't even like. They were looking at that touch spot as well, weren't they? To start with. Aye, it's a shambles of bring these on to try and make the game easier. And it's you know, <laughs> so, to make a decision. Aye, four referees couldn't even come to a decision. Aye, so uh, it's, I didn't even think he blocked them. Though. He just stood, the guy just stood his ground. Aye, like, and the guy, the, guy, the yeah, manual player ran into him. Aye, it was Cavani's get out because well. knew Colton uh, House was getting away from him and he's just mm-hmm. ran into him and fell and was mm-hmm. not in his favour or not. Aye, yeah. definitely. John McGinn was getting right in about it in front of the dugout. Aye, and that, that's that's the thing about a lot of it. We begin he's got a bit of room. Um, mm-hmm. Get you out the park, he'll defend. He's got a great left foot and um, listen, what he's achieved is unbelievable. Um, and that's what we mean by the small percentages. Right. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's that's a small percentage, and he's been on um, playing the Premier League and be a standout at international level. And that mm-hmm. that that was the ultimate dream for everybody in that team at that time. There's no getting away from it. That was the ultimate dream, um, and he's been on it, achieved it. And, and it, you know what? It's great to see and see um, in the Euros there. Um, sitting watching one of your, your pals in the Euros playing against England, that actually, it sends shivers up your spine. and it's class, isn't it? It's, uh, can you be proud of for him? And see his Aye. family as well, him and his family. Obviously, he's, him and these two brothers have had great careers. Yeah. Uh, but I'm so, so happy for him, so happy for his family, because it's, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Who did your other brothers play for? So Paul Hibbs um, and Stevens at Kilmarnock now. Kilmarnock, uh, is it? Right. But, Stephen, Stephen, his oldest brother, he was at St. Monmouth Island Boy and he moved to Watford. Really? Uh, I, and I, I think he, he either done his ACL or he got two leg breaks or something. Uh, but he was at Watford for about three three years. Stephen was uh, unbelievable. Um, the Stephen, same position? Aye, he's, at a sort of, he's more, maybe, a, maybe Stephen, aye, same position. Stephen, when he was younger, maybe a wee bit more attack-minded. Right. Um, and then Paul plays right back for Hibs. But if you YouTube uh, John's brother, Stephen, you'll see some of his goals. He scored a belter against Rangers, I'm sure it is. Really? Um, but Stephen was a really good player, and obviously still, still playing with Kamala. So still playing at a good level. Injuries probably be his unfortunate side. Um, and Paul, Paul was at St. Mern when I was there as well, actually. But he was out and going at Dumbarton at the time and stuff. And he stepped back to part-time. Um, mm-hmm. And he's kicked on and, again, making a Scotland appearance. Um what about um, like Andy Robertson that? Because his career as well, like, because that was quite a, a, almost like a lucky break as well. I feel like Queen's Park from where he came from, and he's just absolutely Aye. skyrocketed right to the top, isn't he? Aye, well, I remember playing against Andy when he was at Celtic, and he was one of the ones that uh, he, he never, 
it was a youth team, I think he was 15 maybe last time we played against them that, uh, when he was at Celtic. He wasn't, he wasn't playing with Celtic. Um, and then obviously he kicked on to Queen's Park. I never actually played against him when he was at Queen's Park, but what he's done is phenomenal. Phenomenal. And I mean, that captain in his country won the Champions League. Uh, I don't think there's much more. You can do it. No, I said Maybe going to the World Cup. Aye. But yeah, it's, it's incredible. Could all, could all happen. Incredible. But it's, listen, it's no, it's no easy. These boys have made loads of sacrifices. Yeah. Uh, but ridiculously hard. Um, and you need to be strong mentally as well. There's no getting away from it. Um, mm. They've had the rejection. That's uh, one of the biggest things, but in my opinion, because that's what I can guarantee you that's if you had to look at stats and all that and find out why people drop out. You'll probably have like cracking football players come up through high school and all that, and it can just be that one word from a coach or um, that, like you say, getting rejected on one occasion that could just like turn you the opposite way and just make you drop out altogether. Right. Listen, there's boys in that team that were maybe probably they were at the time because they were playing, but they were probably better than again. Mm-hmm. Um, but just having that one rejection of their part lives have went a different way, and maybe know that I had that wee bit of hunger and desire to maybe go out and practice or uh, do a wee bit extra. Or, I'm sure everybody in that everybody and it's it sort of went full time that hasn't made it big. We probably look back and say I could have done a wee bit more. I'd probably sit here and say, I could have done a wee bit more. Don't get me wrong, the, the boys there will say, I, I worked. When, I, when it was training, I was working. I worked pretty hard. But everybody could probably practice a wee bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in Scotland, people, I think Scotland, people look for too many easy excuses. Oh, it's mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And you see, listen, I've saw people fake injuries, not to train and stuff like that, and that just gets you over. Um, yeah, but you hear, you hear the stories not going with Slaney that used to hide in the toilets and everything. I mean, that, <laughs> and yeah, that's uh, seen as a young boy at Mullow. We uh, used to have to go to the, the sort of Europe, go watch the European nights and like they bought ball boy and that. And I remember seeing Slaney uh, play, I want to say it was Ferris Farros. I don't quote me in that, but I don't, I don't know, but it was some, and it was unbelievable. Aye. Like, Incredible. Left what position was he? Left mid? Left mid. Right. Um, him and another boy who's my pal now, Ross Forbes, were in that team. They were two younger boys at that time and two of them were phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean phenomenal. And I was surprised Slaney, obviously everybody's heard these stories and how he talks about it maybe mentally, but I was, I'm shocked. See if he was meant, he would be playing for Celtic, he would have played for Celtic definitely. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, right mentality. mentality into it. Uh, it's mentality, again, don't get me wrong, he had a bad injury, but um, he's obviously, he's obviously too, she couldn't handle it mentally, aye, mentally. Uh, At that stage in his life, but look what they're doing now, but like, like it takes a, a certain type of person to go and perform in front of thousands at the Hydro and do stuff like that, do you know what I mean? So his mentality can't be that bad. Aye, it's, it's brilliant, it's good to see, because I know Sai as well, um, um, and also, and it's brilliant to see them doing so well, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what they're doing and what they've done is brilliant. And probably, like myself and all other people who got me through like, all the tough like, lockdowns and all that. Which, oh, uh, exactly. Uh, where, where it started in terms of that part, it was Kevin Thompson they had on first, wasn't it, the very first time? Right. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, to that one that they just recently done there, it was good. Nah, man. I was just listening to that all the, the, do- the documentary, uh, Kevin Thompson's was good. I listened to it last night. He's uh, got good. some good opinions on football, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. I, um, I like the way he thinks as well, it's what he thinks works in that as well, but I'm hoping they 
slips off a wee bit this year. Yeah. Aye, I know he's he done pretty well, isn't he? Yeah. What's the what's it what is it like between first and second? There's seven points you know. They've got two games in hand. Right. Um, but it's not halfway through the season, don't get me wrong. We've we've thrown too many games this season. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should have won, maybe lost last minute goals and whatever. We should be closer to Kelly. Look, I'm not saying we should be top relief, but we should be a lot closer and, and having a wee bit more pressure on them. Um Everybody wrote Kelty start of the season just with a budget and stuff like that. But um, I see we're doing really well now, and uh, I am. It's, it's a good bunch of boys. We're playing well, doing well, and fair outsiders probably looking at it. We've probably done a wee bit better than everybody thought. But um, I've known just with playing with the boys and playing against the boys that I know we're going to do well this season, and yeah. still more to come hopefully. Brilliant. Right, well, we'll move on to question two. I feel like we've asked that, like other kind of um, athletes with different sports not have had, and we've asked them this question as well. So it's good to get, um, obviously, your opinion on this, Ross. So, who's been the best coach that you've played under, and why? Or you don't need to name drop if you just want to talk about maybe like the characteristics of what you like about a really good coach. I um, there's seen for both, especially nowadays. Different as a coach and as a manager as well. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But. Oh, both then, why don't you go down? You can go down the line at any, speak about a manager or a coach. No, no, because in Scotland, you do normally just have, well, where I've played, the manager is a coach as well. Mm. It's definitely a different club. Sometimes assistants take a lot of the training, blah, blah, but we'll just, we'll stick with the head man, like first team coach or manager, you've got to call okay. it. Um, a, lot, a lot of people don't go on with managers at times, and but I can't, I can't sit here and say, I've got on with every single manager I've played under, um, and they've, they've got on with me. Um, I don't know where that's because, apart from St. Martin and uh, Thistle, where I was sort of a youth player at St. Martin and then um, maybe not getting a chance at Thistle, where I should have, maybe. But um, just in terms of after that, I would say my proper playing career, I don't know where I, I got on every manager because I've always sort of been first choice for them and always played. Do you know what I mean? That obviously plays a big part. If a manager doesn't play you, you're not going to like him, whether you, whether you should be playing or not, you're going to have that opinion of him a lot of the time. Um, so I'm fortunate enough in that way. Um, and Matt, listen, see, recently, I, because after I play, I, I'd like, I would love to go into coaching and management and stuff like that. Um, so recently I've started taking me notes and try to job back my memory and stuff like that. And um, you take me bits for every manager and every coach. Um, you take me bits of, Things you like to have done, whether that be a training session, what they've said. Um, mm. There's also things I look at and say, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have said that. Just, just especially the older I'm getting as well. Um, you start to think like that, but um, as in terms of favourite, I don't, it'd be hard for me to say. I've, I've still got a good relationship to this day with my first manager at Saint Mate Fawford Jim here, um, because I've get, I gave everything for him and done really well but manager now Gary Irvin um, he was obviously my teammate first of all um, and then the manager got a sack he took into him and he's took um, he got the job well deserved well deservedly got the job and well that's just a case I've been he was my friend first um, or don't get me wrong see when it comes to training again day, uh, you wouldn't know I'm his pal because if I need to tell him he'll tell me um, if I'm not doing something right, it, it will tell me, it will on me, but just, I don't know whether it's because I'm maybe seeing more, uh, listening more, I've got more of a relationship with guys, you'll phone me during the, uh, 
he phoned me during the week, asked me about things. I spoke to him a lot over the summer. I asked him about different things, different players. And I don't know whether it's just that I like him. He, he likes, he wants my opinion as well. Um, and I work, no, I don't mean closely, closely with him because he's got his coaching staff there. We'll talk to him probably every day. Um, but whenever he needs a wee bit of, um, maybe a, a, set, a second opinion or um, he's just got a wee bit more responsibility on me. And How different do you think the relationship is then from your experience of being a full-time captain to not being a captain? How different is the relationship with the manager? Um, I, I, think, I think there is a big difference uh, because previous managers, um, I would speak to them on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, whenever you see them. But I speak to guys, um, Gaffer, um, I speak to him, I wouldn't say every day, but mm. if there's things you need, uh, I'll give him a phone about something, he'll give me a phone about something, he'll text Aye. me, uh, makes me ask the boys this, blah, blah, blah. So I like that relationship, I like that close mm. relationship. And, uh, but that doesn't just come from being a friendship before he was manager. Uh, yeah. that, that comes to a bit of respect as well, and um, he's, he's hopefully somebody I can trust, and I trust him as well. And back to that, it was the first time I played with someone who's went on to take a job in the role and um, he's done it incredibly and I, I, I mean that, I don't, like, in any walk of life it's hard because he's been a teammate with all of us, well, mm. a lot, not always because he's brought in a lot of his new players but a lot of us and see having that fine line between having a, playing a friendship and being a manager and That's you can hard. play It'd be very difficult. Very uh, difficult. What, what age is he? Um, I think he's about 36, I want to say. Right. Um, he's had a great career. Um, played with Andy. He'll start at Celtic and Johnson. Uh, and having that fine line between a friendship with the players and being on the manager. And you saw it as soon as he took interim charge. Um, and he got that respect straight away because he, he, as a player, he, he always says he sees similarities in me to him because he gave a hundred percent and he gives everything everything to this job. He loves it. Um, he loves being a manager and what he's doing and what he's done, um, the detail he puts in, everything about it is just. Well, I couldn't speak highly of, enough of him, and he's not. Listen, I know he did a great job, but he's probably surprised me a wee bit as how well he's done. Um, and you can just see even things like I remember his first team talk when he took interim charge to. To now it's incredible. It's night and day, and he's he's doing brilliant. And I've no I've no doubt that he'll he'll go on to uh, have a successful manager career. Um, I think he's got the potential, and um, obviously it comes to everything. It's a bit of luck as well, but he has definitely got potential to go to the top. And I think what he's done. How, how many how many times are you are you train the week now? Twice, uh, did you say? We, we train on Monday Monday night Thursday night. Uh, Monday night and then a Wednesday uh, we get a home fitness session you wear the heart rate monitor set okay. and then we train a Thursday and then play a Saturday um, I think so I, I think the biggest thing uh, part time sort of getting that be extra bit in yourself mm. uh, if, if possible obviously people get busy lives and whatever but yeah, we're training for a marathon now you should come out and get some runs in with us run Strathy some road I, runs how, how long you doing? No, just like, we're no, if we're, we'll set like a, a weekly mileage target and um, we'll do we'll do a long run, like one long run at the weekend, we'll do a part run for a speed session, just to now anyway, and then 
um, the rest of the runs to make up the weekly mileage during the week's just kind of easy paced. Um, I'll go um, for the Wednesday night then. We should definitely sort one out and go, around, we should no, go, go to Strathy and get a run in. Aye, one of the short ones, hopefully it was my back will explode, mate. What about, what, do you... Oh, aye, I was going to say, part of you playing a Saturday. Where do you stay? Hey, I stay in Cameron's Line. Alright, you're not far then, for Strathy. Aye, you're not, actually. I would need to get one pencil done. Aye, definitely. Take it back to when I was 14, man. Uh, <laughs> aye, see if, you can, see if you can still do it under 25 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> right, so moving on then, uh, Ross. That's good about uh, the manager you're speaking about there. We'll, we'll keep an eye out for him in the future then. Um, what has been your single biggest challenge on your journey to playing professional football and how did you overcome it, if you to pick one? Uh, as we spoke about, we touched on earlier, I think... Um, being let go is a big thing for, for a really young boy. Um, I think it's, it's had me in tears as a young boy and going home and crying on dad because I get released and whatever. Um, I think overcoming that mentally and uh, it's, I've used it maybe as a wee bit of drive as well to prove people wrong, whatever. Um, I, I'd say that's a, a big one for me. Um, and uh, that's the biggest one. And I think See, growing up in Glasgow, well, in Scotland in general, but especially sort of, I, I don't mean to say I, I came up fucking, like, I didn't go a really bad school, but coming up to the East End of Glasgow, mm-hmm. growing up, I had, I had classmates going out to drink the 13, 14, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in terms of that sort of side of things, um, keep, no, not keeping a distance, but they were still my pals at the end of the day, but just having that, We've got a self-discipline, naughty, naughty. Uh, well, as well as um, not doing it because I wanted to be a footballer, but also my dad would have battled me if I'm home drunk. You might keep fit as well. That, 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 that was probably the biggest, that was a big thing, especially at secondary school. So it's hard when all your mates are doing it, thinking at the weekends, and which they obviously shouldn't be, but you know what it's like, uh, hmm. especially being teachers, do you know what I mean? Uh, but... Well, you started at 12, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> like, I water only. <laughs> um, so I think, I think that's, um, especially in the Scottish culture, Glasgow culture, whatever you want to call it, mm. um, I think that's, uh, that is a massive thing. Uh, mm. Imagine. So also in, also in Glasgow, but you've got like a much better pool of players that you're competing against and stuff, in terms uh, of like the, the quality and the, and the sheer number of people in the city too. Uh, it's going back to it. There's boys I grew up with who were a, were a better player than not just myself, but boys that went on do better than me, and they were better players. But they've maybe went down that road and started mm-hmm. going out the weekends, and then girls get involved, and then they're out every weekend kind of make a football, and that's 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 what happens. It's it's cutthroat, and um, listen, football was, was or any sport or anything you do, um, it was it was you nothing at the end of the day. You need to work for what what you go and achieve, and Mm. And once you do that, nobody can take that away from you. Um, because you see, you see the way I, I see it as well. That I, I do things now, like for instance, I don't drink at Christmas because I get a game Boxing Day, and people go, "Ah, it's only League Two. But see, mm. if it was only League Two and it was so easy, everybody would be doing it. Aye. Everybody would be doing it. So mm. it's it's making the making the small sacrifices um, or big sacrifices, whatever way you want to look at it. Um, I think that, that's that was a big thing as well um, to achieving um, anything you want to do in life. And that's 
that's what I feel like that happened to me. I'm not saying that I was like a, a fantastic footballer. I got the best I got. I got a trial with Queens Park, um, but similar to yourself, was told that I was too small. Um, after played, I, I don't know how long I was with them. Maybe like doing. I played like a load of games with them against my own Rangers and that, and then get told. I can't remember where it was, but I can just remember like how it felt. It felt just like a gut punch, man. The guy just told me that I was too small and um, just to keep going at it, and then ended up getting a job. And then that was me. Aye, aye, that's the thing, mate. Everybody's life goes different paths, and mm-hmm. uh, your attention's turned elsewhere. But as you say, go back to that sort of it's, it's a feeling of rejection, mate. Nobody likes it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I played it, I went home, and um, obviously, your parents and each other things. So my dad at home told my mum, My mum's crying, you know what I mean? Aye. My dad would never cry, he's quite strong character and whatever. But my mum's in tears, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then it's it's not just that, um, it's it's embarrassment as well when you're, when you're that age. Uh, mm. I had to tell your pals and all that sort of stuff. I, I, you need to go tell your pals and, mm-hmm. and, and see for me, like see, see in Scotland, see apart from like your close pals and your family, everybody wants you to fail. Aye, 100%. So that is, everybody wants you to fail and people can say this but it's, it's reality. Scotland is a. They want you to. Fa- they they want people to fail. Um, oh, why is that? But it's so right. true though. Like it's like almost. So does everybody else feel better? Makes you feel better. That's I, I suppose. They, they don't want people to do well. You mean you see? Yeah, just for it, like, it's big. But Andy Murray, for instance, Wimbledon. Like people want want to get beat. They want to get beat. Aye. Scotland and the Euros. People want to get beat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, and it's and taking that down a scale out. Like, as I say, it's only your really close friends and family who actually want you to achieve. Um, and truly support you. Aye, and really, really want you to do well because, here, I'll, I'll tell you, like, I'll, I've got people who, see, this season, because we've been doing well, um, they've not really said, oh, how's your football going? But see, as soon as we beat on a Saturday, as soon as you see them, that, or oh, what, what happened at the weekend, that. Aye. You know, do you know what I mean? It's, people actually want you to fail and do it back. And I know there'll be people that they're looking and they'll actually go and like, wonder how Ross got into or they get beat and they'll actually be happy about it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, just it's small minded, isn't it, though? Aye, it is. And it, it just it, it bugs me. It's something that's always bugged me. And, and me and the boys in the team actually talk about it. Like, boys going to work and that. Aye, there's, this guy doesn't talk to me unless we get beat. And if we win, they will not say anything. Such a sad existence, but not like a terrible mindset. To like some Saturday you had watching soccer Saturday, hoping to get beat. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. <laughs> that's I, tragic, that, man. That's just, that's just for me. That's just a Scottish, Scottish thing. It's just people want you to fail. Well, yeah. like, and not just in sport, and like if you get a business or something like that, people people don't want to see you doing well. I think mm. I think a big thing in Scotland's jealousy. Yeah. Um, I think there's there's so much jealousy, but. Um, and it's getting worse and worse, to be honest. Um, social media and all that. Really no, definitely. Yeah. Aye, it's more exposed, isn't it? Aye. You aye. see more of people's businesses, more of people's lives. Like, everybody knows everyone's business. Exactly. Oh, I've seen that on his Instagram story. Like, and I was aye. talking to you, I was like, I knew, I knew you were way great, mate. You, you ever seen that on Instagram? It's just metal, isn't it? It's just like, everybody knows what everybody's doing. I mean, you were saying Saturday, Lewis, but like, what you see on Instagram's Sometimes, um, quite a lot of time, the opposite of what it actually. Com- what you see, aye. sometimes it's the opposite of how people are actually feeling. Mm-hmm. Oh, major, like, or, or what, what their life actually is like. 
Yeah. Aye, vigilant. Uh, I think it's also it's also a funny one, isn't it? Like if you're going out with your mate or something like that, it's like what have you got to talk about? If if they knows of these what's been happening, it's like I it was good. I I went actually they took Instagram and like all social media off my phone for a while. Then I went out and then people were talking. I was like, oh, what's that? I didn't actually know what had been happening. Like just because purely because I didn't have it for a while. It was mental. Yeah, I actually feel sorry for the younger generation nowadays because they've obviously they look. They've got all these pages, you know. I know this is going a bit off topic, but uh, they've got all these stuff like the TikToks and all that. And, mm-hmm. and you, you know, our biggest, my biggest hate, like, see if we're out for dinner, and there's just like two, like, I just, and they're just sitting in their phones. Oh, I that is my biggest pet hate. Mm-hmm. I, I I, there's just no conversation. I, like, you spend all day in your phone, you're out for dinner, just put it away. Yeah, it's, just, it's, it's dead awkward looking, isn't it? Aye, it's just like PJ's button, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Aye, I know, that's the way it's, that's the way it's going. By the looks of it, anyway. Pro- probably texting each other. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, there's so much, pro- there's so much good Def- things. Aye. There's, there's so much good things. But, um, uh, me and Lewis got for dinner here, all kids on his phones at the battery, so he doesn't need to pay to the end on his phone. Oh, my cousin. Aye. <laughs> that old chestnut. <laughs> Every time. Right, <laughs> final final question then, Ross. As the captain of your team, what are your top three non-negotiables, either from yourself or the players? Um, non-negotiables. For me, uh, in, not just in sport, but in any given thing you do, is always, always give 100%, always work hard. That would be my number one, no matter what in- industry I was in or what I was doing. That is always my one. Number one, non-negotiable. Um, I think, I think it's just a given. Um, if if I was a man, of, even say for now, if I'm a player and I see somebody not not giving a hundred percent, I'll I'll be the first one to have a go at them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it's hard to achieve real success without hard work, isn't it? No matter what you're doing. As hundred percent as we we go back, you don't get in but hard work and sacrifices. Um, mm. it's it's a, I think it's just inevitable. We, it always, always give a hundred percent and work hard. Um, mm. In football, you can have a bad game, but see if you're working hard. Nobody can question that. Right. And see, that would be my biggest. Um, somebody said to me, "You never worked hard today. You, you never gave a hundred percent." That, would, that would honestly bother me so much rather than somebody just saying, "You're rubbish today." Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because you can control the effort you put in. Sometimes you can't control. That's like it. How well you play, do you know what I mean? It's bad games, bad days, no matter what you're doing. Um, mm. but if you're not working hard and giving 100%, no matter what I do in life, see, uh, whatever I do, see if I like, start, I don't know, um, playing a game on the PlayStation or Xbox, whatever it is. Get like, very competitive. I want to be the best at that. <laughs> um, that's, how, that that's honestly how I had to stop playing golf because... I would I would play well, play well, and I'd have a bad shot. My head would just go. Um, so it's it's trying to have that self control as well. But I think unless uh, yeah, unless you give a hundred percent and uh, work hard every day, every minute, whatever you're doing, it's it's inevitable. And I think that's got to be the number one non negotiable um, for for everything in life. Um, and obviously, in terms of being a captain, and that is the the, the spotlight's on you, isn't it? You need to be leading by example with everything when you're 
when you're aye, training, when you're playing and stuff like that. And aye, to, have, to have non-negotiables, you're, it's almost like you need to be leading by example so that the it kind of follows suit from the it rubs off on people. Yeah, and I, see, to be honest with you, uh, I think I think if you ask somebody else about me, I think they would say, no matter I'll be training in a game, I, I always give a hundred percent, always give a hundred, always work my socks off, no matter. If it's a Monday night, I wait, I wait Thursday night, Saturday game, you're up in Elgin and mm. it's freezing. I always give 100%. And I think if you spoke to anybody else who, about me, I think that's one of the first things you'd say. I'll always work hard. Mm. Right. Can't, can't argue with that. Right. That rounds us off nicely with the, kind of, the main part of the podcast, Ross. So thanks very much for your, your contributions there. Some really good answers, some good chat. Um, finish off each episode with a quick fire round. So just three quick questions and then just three off the cuff answers. Doesn't even need to link to football, can be anything. All right. Yeah. So, number one, if you could have a giant billboard anywhere in the world or in your hometown, what would it say on it? Um, nothing's given. Must be earned, something along the lines. Brilliant, love it. But number two, which people or books have had the greatest influence on your life? Or you can pick one of each. Oh. Um, books in terms of have an influence. I, I, I read, I read some books, but I wouldn't say they've had a massive influence on my my life. Um, just like to read people's stories and what, like mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I wouldn't say they've had a massive influence. Um, people biggest influence probably say my dad. Right. Brilliant. And then final one, number three. If you could give one piece of advice to a young aspiring footballer, what would it be? Uh, work hard, be confident, and never give up. Brilliant. I love that. I always I, I like the question about what would you give to like a, a younger version of yourself if you're taking a go through the same journey again. Mm-hmm. I like that what, one. What, what advice would you give? Aye, would you give to like a, a teenage Ross Meakin? Aye. Uh, but it's something kind of similar, isn't it? I don't know where to start, to be honest. Uh, Aye. <laughs> work, work, work hard, be confident, and I, never I, give up, probably. To be honest, when I was younger, I probably didn't have the confidence that I, I should have. Um, mm. I, I probably, I think that's a big thing to achieve in your goals. You need to actually believe you're the best. Mm. Um, and that's probably something I never had when I was younger. Um, I think as I've got older, started getting... I don't know about the comfy playing games or whatever. I've got a lot more confident and mm-hmm. I, I do I do get in a start then I think he's not getting the better of me, I'm gonna get better than him or whatever it would be. Um I, I think that is a big one to be be confident. But you can step over the line. People can step over the line um with that with that as well. Um you yeah. see it when, um, you see it when you get young boys sort of coming on for maybe Premier League clubs and that as well and they think listen, we've had I've had played with some big great players on one, but there's some that come in they think they've been there done it because of that Premier League club and they've not made an appearance, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, although be confident, you need to be humble. Yeah. I was going to ask you, we forgot to ask him this, about our growth. What's your thoughts on their, their performance? Oh, year? I actually... Because we got had Dick Campbell on a few weeks I, ago. Um, uh, doing well, aren't they? Still the top of the league. It's it's, it's, it's incredible what they've done. Um, it's, it's brilliant. And see... As a group of players as well, obviously they they the year I was saying we finished second in the league one, they won the league. And see as a group of boys as well, it's it's all great boys there. I know a few of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and what what he's what 
um, Dick Campbell's done with the club and what the players have achieved is unbelievable. And uh, I, I probably wouldn't be the only one, but it won't surprise me if in the Premier League next year, by the way. See, if they do go into the Premier League, is there a certain capacity for a stadium? I was chatting about that with my dad the other day, but I don't know if there is a certain... No, there used to be. Uh, uh, that's right, isn't it? I because see, I, I don't know what year it was, but Falkirk won the, the like League One. It was back then, and they mm-hmm. couldn't get promoted because I think it was ten thousand. Because they never had a ten thousand seat stadium, they couldn't go up. No, that's right, I remember. Um, but I don't, I don't think it's a thing anymore. Uh, there was Aki Stadium. That must not be. That must be like less than ten thousand. Nah, I don't think that. That is that's definitely less than ten thousand. I. But what they've done is uh, incredible, and let's hope they go up. They deserve it. I, I'd love to see it. I saw it's something on Twitter or something like that. I can't believe uh, a brofer going to be with FIFA next year or something like that. That's mental, isn't <laughs> it? Do they need to go to a full-time club, but wouldn't they? They need to be full-time if they went up there. Or do they need to be? Is that... Well, they don't need to be, no. Nah, I, don't, I don't think so, anyway. I don't, I don't think ah. that would be a rule, uh, Lewis. I was ready to say that's a stupid question. It must have been obvious, but oh well, there you go then. I, I don't, probably I, could. Don't quote me that. I don't know because it's uh, never, it's never maybe been uh, so never happened. Do you know what I mean? Uh, but I, I don't think I don't. That'd think be history, man. That's mental to think, isn't it? It's a. See, to pay people to come in every day, though. Ah, see, see the listen. See the boys that are for them really good money, by the way. Um, don't like they get paid well for playing part time. See, a lot of players now part-time, they've had the chance to um, go and play full-time, but um, there's see out with like, maybe a top six in Scotland, like, maybe you not know, even top six, top five. Like, see if these boys would get uh, good jobs. They'd be taking a massive pay cut. I mean, uh, I know there was quite a lot of, quite a lot of uh, teams after the boy Thomas O'Brien at Abroth, mm-hmm. uh, the, the easy captain centre-half, and he'd probably be taking a wage cut going to these clubs that were after him. But that's true, so maybe, maybe they just need to stay part time then for that side of it, because they probably wouldn't give their job up. I can't see them changing their module. Um, it's yeah. working and see at the end of the day, see if they ever got up to the Premier League. That, listen, it would be an absolute battle to stay up. It's a good experience, isn't it, playing against those clubs? Like, worst case scenario as well, like, if they stay up, like, listen, I, I'm not saying if they go up, they're going to be relegated because I don't think they would because going to Abroad is very, very difficult. Um, and their players, as we talked about non-negotiables, every single one of their players work hard every single every single week. Uh, they, give a, they give that manager 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying they would go straight back down, but see if they were, you've got for one season straight back. they club sorted for years and years and years. Yeah. As well, do you know what I mean? So it's okay. absolutely brilliant to see. It's a model that every part-time club can take. Can take success. Look, be a sort of model for. No, it's inspiring mm. for others. Aye, definitely, definitely. And there's a lot of part-time clubs doing really well now. Because uh, even League One, League One's a really tough league, but my pros are flying in that as well. Um, mm. Is Ray, Ray full-time? Because I think they're full. I full-time. I think uh, a broth. I think I brought for only the part-time team in the chat. Aye, we had that chat with Dickie, we said, Oh, he did say that, didn't he? They are the only part-time team there. Aye. Um, That's amazing. Aye, it's, it's, it's incredible and good on them, because um, I know I've said Penny is Dickie and that, and he, they're, brilliant, they're brilliant characters for the game, and everybody's talking about them now, and it's brilliant. Aye. It's all off the back of the interview, and I mean, Clark, every week, we're like, ah, just... 
dying to check the Arbroath score and that, just to see how they, how they go on that. Just buzzing me, I've seen they're beating like Inverness and all that, it's like, that's mental. I've seen so, Dogan, it'll be hard for them in the next couple of weeks to adjust because they've lost their big boy Nubble and uh, Anton Dowdish. So, yeah, are they way back to Levy? Uh, he's way back to Levy and Dowdish are way back to Falkirk. He scored a hat weekend, actually. Uh, uh, so, that's two strikers away from him, so... Um, I know they got beat as well. We are beating them 1-0, we didn't check it the weekend and then we were absolutely gutted when we checked it tonight. I know. <laughs> I think they were unlucky. Um, but, listen, no doubt Dick will get it right. And, yeah, mm-hmm. Even if, if I broke it in the playoffs, I'd fancy him in the playoffs as well. Who's mm-hmm. uh, going to get a field in easy, by the way. Well, what, long may it continue then. Aye, but, definitely. Um, Ross, that's, um, like, that'll do us for the night, mate. Thanks so much for coming on and doing that. I know it was a, a long time coming because we were, we chatted about it when we were at um, Graham's 40th, obviously, and then um, it was meant to happen before the new year, but it just kind of, like, just things get in the way, I suppose. And then we're, we're, we're glad we, we finally got you on. It was, a, it was good chatting to you, so thanks a lot for giving up your time. No, no worries, mate. Thanks for having us. Nice to meet you. Thanks, Ross. Cheers, Mark. Thanks again for joining us in this week's episode of the podcast. We hope you've been able to take something away that you can implement into your practice or life. If you regularly listen to the podcast, then why not leave us a review to let us know how we're doing and where we can perhaps improve. That way we can take action and further develop the Obo podcast. Until next time, we hope you have a fantastic week. Take care.